When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Happy Tuesday, Fenway Rundown listeners. I'm Chris Cotillo, your host. We're back for another week, Mass Lives Red Sox show. Sean McAdam will be alongside in a second with the Red Sox in Cleveland this week, visiting an old friend in Terry Francona. We thought it would be a good time to catch up with Tito. Obviously, Sean covered him for his entire tenure here in Boston. So Terry Francona joins us from his manager's office at Progressive Field in Cleveland. We're going to talk about this week's series, some memories of his time with the Red Sox, what his future holds, and more. So always, you know, one of the more entertaining gentlemen in baseball, a real treat to catch up with him today. Hope you enjoy Terry Francona on the Fenway Rundown. It's the Fenway Rundown with Sean McAdam and my co-host, Chris Cotillo, and we're thrilled to be able to be joined today by three-time American League Manager of the Year, two-time World Series champion, and of course, the manager of the greatest Red Sox team of all time in 2004, Terry Francona. Tito, thanks for joining us. How are you? Good, guys. How are you both doing? We're doing great, thanks. We're good. Uh, You've got your old friends, the Red Sox, in town. Um, but let's talk about your team first. Um, been a challenging last few weeks for the Guardians, Tito. Uh, you're, you're in second place in American League Central and still in this, but uh, give us an assessment of where you guys stand about 60 games in. Well, you said it's been a challenging couple weeks. I would go a little further than that. It's probably been challenging since, you know, since the season started. We're, we're certainly not where we want to be. Um, I think we're fortunate that we're in a division that where, because of where we are, we're still not out of it, which, you know, I think, again, I think we're fortunate, but I also think we need to take care of our business. And then I always feel like if we do our part and then you look up, you're, you're probably going to end up where you're supposed to. That's kind of the way I feel about it. You got to look at the Red Sox at the end of April, which probably seems like a long time ago now. Um, as they come in for a three-game series with you, you've got arguably your three best starters lined up. Um, what did you see with the Red Sox uh, five or six weeks ago, and what do you expect here over the next three games? You know, Sean, you make a, a your question is really good because a lot of times when you play a team is almost more important than who you're playing. And by that, like I said, when we saw him last time, they had just called up the kid Duran. We couldn't get him out. Right. And you know, when he's on base, he's a difference maker. I mean, he can go first to second as fast as anybody in the league. So hopefully that's not going to happen again, but you know, they're the top of their lineup. They got good numbers. Um, you know, with Alex there, you know, they're going to take the extra base when they can. They'll, they'll, they'll run when it's, when they're supposed to, 
Um, you know, they're pitching. They've had to kind of mix and match a little bit. Um, you know, being just being truthful, I hope that gets in the way of them winning a couple games here. But, you know, we'll see. Tito, obviously it's been a, a long time since you managed the Red Sox and the, the faces have changed, the names have changed. Is there still, you know, more than a decade later, any weirdness factor? I mean, I know it's a little different probably playing them at home versus playing at Fenway, but is there any weirdness factor to, to going against the Red Sox or is all that, you know, too far behind you now? No, it's pretty far behind. I mean, it's over a decade. And, yeah. and you know, Sean will attest, I can barely remember last week. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's okay. I mean, I, I think as as you get removed, and, and certainly 11, 12 years, it it, it, it allows you to remember, the, like, the, your friends and the people. Like, I'll love seeing Cora and Jason Veritek. And, you know, I don't think Pam Ganley travels anymore. Right? But guys like Pookie, the clubhouse guys, and Joe – those are the guys that you love seeing and you have great memories and some of the other stuff, it's easier to kind of put in the rear view mirror. Yeah. I was going to ask, I mean, uh, how many people are, are left with the traveling party that you work with really probably just Alex and Jason and, and maybe, you know, Tommy, maybe a few people like that. And like guys like Jack McCormick don't travel anymore. And those are the people I'm probably closest with, but, right. but that's okay. When we were up in Boston, I got to see everybody and, and I actually really enjoyed that. That part is is it, it, it's a good reminder you know when you spend eight years somewhere you you get awfully close to a lot of people you, you referenced Alex Cora Tito and obviously you had him as a player in Boston for about two and a half years um we'll we'll get to your your managerial tree in a minute but specifically with Alex did you see future manager in him when you had him in Boston for those few seasons you know, Sean, I, I get asked that a lot, and I don't really have a great answer for it just because when guys are playing, they're trying to do their best to, to do their role on the team. Now, when I look at Alex now, yeah, I certainly think he has all the qualities. I don't know that you necessarily think about that when guys are playing. I mean, I remember probably being a little too hard on Alex at times because I expected so much of him in his role with our team. You know, I thought he – he did a great job helping Pedroia along and he didn't have to do that. You know, it probably cost him some playing time, but he understood his role and he understood what Pedroia was going to mean to the organization. And he helped PD as much as anybody. When you were last in, we were talking about the num the incredible number of guys. I think it was seven or eight who played in those 07 and 08 teams who have since gone on to become major league managers. Everybody from Mark Kotze to Kevin Cash, to Rocco Baldelli, to Alex, of course. Um, is there anybody in that group, and I know you just finished saying you have a hard time envisioning active players as future managers because there's too much going on and you're focused on the moment at hand. But of those guys who've gone on to be major league managers, is there one that said, boy, I, I didn't see that happening for him. I, I didn't envision him being a manager at some point. You know, I'm careful to say that because I can only imagine what people are saying about me. You know, when you're young and and probably semi-immature at times and trying to hang on to a job, you're not necessarily auditioning to be a manager. You know, when you're trying to hang on and be the defensive replacement at first base, you know, I, I don't know that people necessarily see that. Um, I, I do know that when guys are in the game and for the most part guys that have had maybe some ups and downs and then when they stay in the game I think that allows them to have a 
a, a, a really good grasp of how to communicate with players. And for the most part, those are what you said in those, in those players. I think you just, for the first time, maybe ever missed an opportunity to rib Kevin cash. I was gonna, uh, but you know what? They're too good now, man. I gotta, I gotta <laughs> hold off a little bit. They're pretty good. <laughs> One guy I'll ask about if you, you think is going to join that managerial tree, because I think people in Boston think eventually he might, but you know, he's enjoying the kids right now is Dustin Pedroia. I mean, could you see him? Obviously your close relationship, know him better than anybody ever stepping into that chair. I think uh, I, I would, I don't need to speak for Petey, but I think if Kelly ever allows him, cause I think, you know, I think she wants him to be home with the kids and good for her. And I think mm-hmm. he's, he wants to be home with the kids. If there's a day when he decides he wants to be in baseball, my guess is he will. His reputation is spotless, and he he would be terrific. We talk about all these guys uh, in your managerial tree, Alex being one of them, and um, you know you've done this for so long with so many organizations, and there's you know not too many guys that are kind of the lifer manager you know left. Do you envision as time goes on that you know maybe these these guys who are in their you know 40s or, or early 50s right now? might not want to do it for, you know, decades at a time. It seems like that might be where the game is going, right? We see even with broadcasters, guys, color commentators, not willing to commit to, you know, the 150, 160 game grind. Do you think, you know, managers will have a shorter shelf life moving forward? You know, it'll be interesting to see. I think some of that depends on who's running teams because, you know, they certainly have something to say about that also. And, and And the, the challenges of being a manager are different now than they used to be there's probably more of them and from different sources and different come in different areas. But I don't know that that means people will do it less. I just think you're going to have to be willing to, to be flexible and, and, and adjust because the times are changing too. And sometimes that can be a challenge. It, you know, sometimes the challenge is being willing to, to make adjustments without sacrificing your principles. And if you can handle both of those and find a way to do it, then you're going to be okay. You know, for guys to do it for a long time and stay in the dugout, Tito, you've got to love the job. And I don't know anybody that I've met over my time covering baseball for 35 years who loves managing the way you do. What is it about the job? Uh, I know you, you're, you're fond of saying, I just really like to win. And that would seem obvious to just about anybody. But what is it about the job that still holds such an attraction to you. You've had health challenges the last few years. You've had an organization that said, take your time, come back when you're good. They've been great to you, but you keep coming back because you want to. What do you love about this job in 2023? Well, and, and, you know, to your question, I probably think about it more than I used to. And some of it's probably because of my health and maybe because of my age, because the job does get harder, even, even physically, you know, you go on road trips and I know I certainly don't play, but as you get older, it gets harder. And I think about it more often, like, you know, my longevity or, you know, my mortality in this game, if, you know, how long do I want to do it and how long do I think I can do it appropriately? That's something that really eats at me at times. Cause there's times when I don't feel like I'm doing enough and I lean on the coaches and I get mad and then I get frustrated. And then, you know, I talk myself into a little bit of a tizzy and that's not good. So I don't want to be that either. If I'm going to do it, I want to do it right because I think the organization deserves that. But Sean, this is all I've ever done. 
and I've never wanted to do anything else. And for that, I feel really fortunate. What's different? And obviously the game has changed a lot, even since last year. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But what's different about the job of major league manager now compared to the mid to late 90s when you first started your managerial career career in Philadelphia? And I'm, I'm guessing by the look on your face that there's going to be something about <laughs> nobody slashing your tires in the parking lot now. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but I, mean, I mean the actual job. How much has it changed? A lot. I mean, back when in 97 was it the Phillies, you know, either Lee Thomas or Ed Wade would come down and talk to me. Now front offices are more than two people. I mean, they are a, an army of people and there's an, there's a division of analysts, there's strength and conditioning, there's medical and everybody kind of comes to you. So you have people come in this direction, this direction, this direction, and it's more than ever. And if you're not patient enough and have the energy to be ready for people and to have answers for people, it's not going to work. So it's just, it's just a lot more than it used to be. Um, at times, I think that's good. Sometimes it can almost feel a little overwhelming. I think I'm lucky where, like you alluded to, the guys I work for here, they, they you can't find better people. And, and I know that. So on tough days, I remember that. Is the manager-player dynamic a lot different, Tito? I hope not. Um, I do think younger people in general, not just in baseball, probably have a different set, set of expectations, maybe some entitlement that maybe as I get older that, you know, it maybe is a little hard for me to understand. But I don't think that's just baseball. I think that's the world in general. I mean, kind of going off that, I, I assume that you're not – you know, I don't, I don't think that you're probably the most, you know, social media guy out there and players are, how has that changed the job players reading so much or seeing what fans are saying or having that voice or controversies that pop up? How has that social media thing really kind of impacted your job? Well, your first part of that statement was so true. I, I, <laughs> I have never been on social media. I have no interest being on social media. And, and I think it's actually healthy because as a manager, it doesn't help. You know, if you start worrying about what fans think, you're liable to be a fan. And I don't necessarily want to do that yet. And I talk to players all the time because I see them checking it. And I'm like, why are you doing that? Because I don't think people that that run to post stuff are going to necessarily be the most positive people in the world. Right. And I, I never have been able to understand that. And I hope as players mature, they understand that too, because I think life would be a lot less cumbersome if they didn't pay attention to it. It seems hard to believe, but you have now managed a few years longer in Cleveland than you did in Boston. I know you're also fond of saying that you measure your Boston years in dog years because it was a different <laughs> dynamic. Um, talk a little bit, if you would, Tito, about the differences in those two markets, having worked for both, had success in both, and been there for a long time in each. I used to laugh, you know, tell people there were so many fires to put out. And when there weren't, somebody would make one up. So you're always constantly trying to stay ahead of everything so the players can play the game. That's the biggest thing. You know, I used to laugh when I was young. People would say, oh, Joe Torrey, they'd say, you know, well, Joe, Joe should be good. He's got this payroll in this team. But I marveled at how at Joe's ability to let the players play and he shielded everything and he let good players play, but he was smart enough to know that. And I always respected that in him. Um, here, it's different. It's more baseball. 
it's less putting out fires. Now, there's some other things that we had in Boston that we don't have here. You know, we, we were kind of one of the big boys in Boston and we played in that neighborhood. And here we got to be a little careful. And, you know, we make a mistake. It can set us back for a while. So, you know, it's different. But I didn't complain about that when I was in Boston. So I need to be careful and not complain about it when I'm here. It has been a, a dozen years since you left here somewhat unceremoniously. Um, in the recent documentary that was done by MLB Network, I heard you talk about getting on the bus that night in Baltimore after the final game, and we all remember what a crazy night that was. Uh, I think somebody was sitting in your seat on the bus, and you noted to Jack McCormick, the then traveling secretary, that's okay, Jack. It's probably time for somebody else to be in that seat now. I hadn't heard you say that before. Did you have a sense that it was coming to an end there? And with the benefit of hindsight, how do you look back at the end in Boston? Um, I, I did mention to Jack, I said, Jack, that might not be my seat anymore anyway. I was being a little tongue in cheek, but I'd be fibbing if I said I hadn't thought that, you know, that it was probably, I knew that it wasn't necessarily smooth sailing. And, and I'm not sure that, you know, again, when the one thing I learned in Boston, when you have a collapse like that, it can't just be a collapse. It has to be somebody's fault. Um, it's not just, it's basketball. It's, it's just the, it's the way it is there. And that's okay because there's so much interest, fan interest, media interest. And I've, you've heard me say that because of that, sometimes if you're in charge, you go home with a headache, but it's a great place because of the interest. I just thought that there's times where maybe the voice needs to change because I thought there were some things that I was saying that wasn't resonating that maybe had before. And, and I'm not, I wasn't thrilled with the way it all played out, but I thought maybe a new voice was, was, would be good for the ball club. Sean just mentioned that documentary that came out on MLB network, uh, have you seen it yet? And, and what are your thoughts on kind of how they portrayed your, your career, your life, your story? I haven't watched it. I just not comfortable maybe someday, but what's really hard, Chris is you, as a manager, you spend your whole day and everything's about everybody else. That's the way it has to be. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden this is about you. At one point I actually had to apologize to the guys that were making it. Cause I said, Hey man, I, I I'm so short and it's not your fault but I didn't realize this was going to be a, I thought it was like a five, eight minute thing they wanted and, you know, two, two quotes and you're done. I didn't realize. And I felt bad for him because I'm not comfortable talking about myself and I shouldn't be because I'm here because of players. And then all of a sudden, like I said, when it was about me, I got really uncomfortable. We talked about the changes in the game and there certainly have been some this year with the new rule changes, the elimination of the shift, the bigger bases, the limits on pickoffs, and of course, uh, the pitch clock. What's your take, Tito, on uh, as we get a little bit more than one third of the way through the season and you've had some time to digest it? Uh, what do you think about the rule changes that have been enacted? You know, Sean, when we had our original meeting at the winter meetings, I, I had a panic attack. I think, along with a lot of other managers that are my age. But I was told that, hey, the first week, it's going to not, you're going to panic. It'll get a little better to get a little better. And, and it did. And I think one of our goals, the biggest goal was to have the clock not get in the way of how we compete. 
doesn't mean we're going to win or lose, but just not have that be a reason why. And I think for the very most part, those rules have not gotten in the way of how we're playing the game. And I do think it's been good for the game. Um, and I appreciate the fact that they don't just necessarily throw things on us. They, they, they practice, they work, you know, they, they do it in the minor leagues. Um, and I know anything that Theo has his imprint on is going to be pretty well thought out. I've been around him too long to know that's not the case. The last thing for you, because we know you get a, a game to manage against the Red Sox later tonight. Um, you mentioned, you know, when you think about your future in the game, how long you want to be doing this, the goal is always to how long can you do it right? At this point, where's your head at with that, with, you know, how long you, you think you'll be you know, managing in Cleveland? I honestly don't know. And I've talked to Chris and Cherney, you know, my guys I work with, and mm -hmm. they've been so good about allowing me kind of to go year to year. And because I don't want to be unfair to them ever either. Um, right. But I just, you know, some of it's my health. Some of it is, you know, I don't want to lose the passion because I've been so like Sean alluded to, and I felt like I'm so lucky to have the job I've had. But when that starts to go away, I may need to go away. And, you know, you get to this age and you think about it a little bit and I don't want to pull the plug too early, but I also don't want to overstay my welcome. So I have those thoughts from time to time, just to be perfectly honest. Tito, before we let you go, I don't know how big you are on trivia, but I'm going to fire a question at you anyway. Until this year, in the history of the game, there has only been one father and son pairing that in a 200 at bat or so season, both father and son hit 330 in one year in the big leagues. Any guesses? Well, you know why I know this, Sean? One, because as you know, I'm ultra intelligent on all things <laughs> trivia. But Bart Swain said it to me yesterday, so I know. <laughs> and I'm laughing. Um, I was just surprised I had 200 at bats. That was the thing that surprised me more than anything. <laughs> Well, you and your dad obviously have uh, had a had a special bond throughout the years. Uh, he played in Cleveland. You were there as a boy watching him. Now you manage. It's a great legacy to continue. Tito, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us. You know that people back in New England still love you. We love having you on. Mm -hmm. Thanks for taking the time today. We'll see you soon. Sean, Chris, anytime. I enjoyed talking to you guys. You guys take care, okay? Okay.